Amen. Let's clap to our God again, church. Good morning. How are you? Merry Christmas. All right. You guys go ahead and grab a seat. So excited that you are here with us. We've had an amazing morning already. And uh, I want to start off with a question for you. By the way, I love singing Christmas songs, don't you? I love that. Love that opportunity to be able to worship God that way. All right, so, so many of these Christmas songs have this word in them, and I brought it up last week, but I want to ask you this question. Are, are you, would you consider yourself a joyful person? How many of you think you're joyful? Would you raise your hands, raise them up, okay? How many of you, you think your family thinks you're joyful? What do you think about that, okay? Probably, for the most part. Can any of you identify more with this? You ever felt this way, right there, yeah? <laughs> Little bah humbug every now and then. I can, I can feel that at certain times. I've felt like that, uh, maybe even a little bit this week. This time of year, it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed by things and kind of be overwhelmed with all the stress and all the things that go on uh, during the Christmas season. But, uh, but I, I want to zero in on this word, and I brought it up last week in Fun Family Christmas, and I just really felt like I wanted to just zero in a little bit more on this. It's certainly this word joy is something that we are all wanting in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? We all desire it. We all want to experience it. Uh, it's something that we will look for in a number of different ways. It's something that I kind of crack up at the different TV commercials that come on this time of year because everybody's selling it. They're trying to sell it. They will market it. Marketers know that we want it. And so they will say, you know, in, in subtle ways, if you drive this car, you'll experience joy. If you drink this, you'll experience joy. Some more drinks more than others, okay? Or, or if you'll wear these things or whatever. And so we're all kind of looking for it in certain kinds of ways. It's trying to be sold to, it, to us. It's being promised to us. But here's the question. Can anybody really deliver? Can anybody really deliver on this promise of joy? Everyone wants this, but is it possible for us to actually experience what we'll call true joy? A true experience of joy in our lives. A lot of people raise their, their hands, say, yeah, I think I'm a joyful person. I would say that I am. I would also say that I can struggle with, with maintaining that joy at certain times. And, uh, and I want to I talk about that just a little bit. The Christian faith, wouldn't you agree, is a faith about joy. It's, it's a joyful faith. We have lots of songs that talk about it. Joy is everywhere we go right now. We see it in our decor. We hear it in the songs. Uh, you'll hear it in the scriptures that I'll read. And, and it, I mean, it's all over the place. I mean, in, in our Christian faith, even Jesus said this about this, uh, this issue of joy. John 15, 11, he says, I have told you these things in fact, will you read it with me? So that you will be filled with my, what does it say, church? My joy. Say the rest with me. Yes, your joy will. Okay, so it's not even just that you have a little bit of joy. It says, my joy that I give you, it's going to be something that's actually flowing out of your life. I mean, there's this abundance of joy. Jesus would say in John 10, I've come to give you a full life, an abundant life, right? And so... So he says, I have this joy for you, my joy, but would that describe you? Would it be something that would describe you? Is it possible? Jesus talks about joy. In the Old Testament, the, uh, the King David, the great King David talked about joy. In so many of the different Psalms, he talks about joy. Paul talks about joy. In the book of Philippians, he talks about it. In the book of Galatians, 
He calls it part of the fruit of the Spirit. There's love, and if you know it, love, what's next? Joy, and then peace, patience, kindness. You can know the rest of that there. So it's obvious that our faith is supposed to be a faith that has a lot of joy in it. That that's a big part of our faith. It's a major theme. By the way, in the Christmas story, it is mentioned at least eight different times. Just in the Christmas story alone, it's brought up over and over again. But what is it? What really is joy? How, do, how would we define it? Well, I think a lot of us would say, well, it's, it's, there's an emotional part of that. Would you agree, right? There's definitely an emotion attached to it. We want to feel that at certain times. How does it differ, though, from happiness? You ever thought about that? Well, let me give you some things just quickly just to kind of write this down if you're taking some notes. Happiness is, is dependent upon the happenings, the things that are going on around me, right? Whereas joy is more, and by the way, those things that are going on around me are things that I can't always control. They're things that are out of my control. They're happening around me. And happiness is a lot of times contingent upon those, whereas joy is something that you actually choose. We're going to see that it's actually a choice that we make. Whereas happiness is, is something that is external. Things are good around me, therefore I can be happy with some of this that's going on around me. The circumstances are good. Joy is more internal. It's more something that is, that is ingrained within my character. It's something that's going on inside of me in spite of some of the things that are happening. Do you realize you can even have joy in the midst of grief? That almost seems contradictory, doesn't it? You can have joy even in the midst of grief. You can have joy even when there's depressing situations that are going on all around us. That's, that's something that's different about joy. Joy or happiness is something that is, is short term. It's temporary, whereas joy is more long lasting. It's not something that, you know, it's, it's something that is more eternal. It transcends certain things in our, in our life. And man, there's something that is so powerful, right? Whenever you're around a person who truly has this kind of joy that I'm talking about. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Where they've got that kind of joy. And it's even more powerful when you're around a person who is a believer. And let's just say this, the circumstances that are in their life are not ideal. They're not good. They're struggling with things that are happening all around them. There's something different about them. You ever been around a person like that? I, I, uh, I think about uh, this one particular individual. I think about, uh, and, and by the way, whenever I talk about this joy like this, I want to be really clear. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that it's this fake plastic smile. You won't ever hear me at EBC try to encourage you to be inauthentic. You know that that's one of our values here is that we value authenticity. So I'm not, this isn't going to be a message that says, man, you got to, you got to just press through and fake it and, and do this plastic smile. In fact, I would tell you this, I kind of detest that. I want you to be real. I want you, I want you as you go through what you're going through to not have to try to pretend God wants you to be real also, okay? But God also offers us something that transcends our circumstances and it's this peace, it's this joy that he talks about, right? And so uh, whenever you're around a person who has this, it's so powerful. I, I, when I, this week I thought about Kay Warren. Kay Warren is, a, is a, uh, his, her husband is Rick Warren. He's a pastor of a church in California. He's written uh, The Purpose 
Purpose-Driven Life, and many of you have read that book, an incredible book. But she has written a book called Choose Joy. That's interesting, right? Choose Joy. And it's, it's a powerful book in and of itself, but it's especially powerful when you know their life circumstances. And you know, by the way, everyone knows that pastors' lives uh, and their families are just as broken as everybody else. We are just as broken. We go through things just like everybody else does. Well, she wrote this book after she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and their family was battling through that and making their way through that difficulty in their life. And then I also think of, of, of what happened with their, their eldest or one of their, their kids, Matthew. He was 27 years old. He had been battling with mental illness all of his life and at 27 years of age, he died by suicide, and it was heartbreaking. I, as a parent, I know if you're a parent, I can't even fathom that kind of grief. Are you with me, right? And yet she wrote this book called Choose Joy. She defines joy this way. It's really powerful. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. It's a quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. It doesn't mean all our circumstances go away and everything's perfect. That's not what she's saying. But then she also says, and it's the determined choice to praise God in all things. Now, that is something that definitely goes beyond just a feeling. Wouldn't you agree? That's something that's beyond the way that we feel or the circumstances. Maybe you know someone who, when they've gone through something like this, you've seen that there's something that's in them that's anchoring them that you look at and you're like, wow, there's something so powerful about a person who is experiencing difficulty and yet there's a joy that's in them. There's a peace. Wouldn't you even say this? Paul even says it like this in Philippians in chapter four. He says, it doesn't make human sense. It doesn't add up. It's not, there's something that is bigger going on in that scenario, right? And, and Paul, when, you, when I'm struggling with joy, by the way, I struggle with this just like anybody else does. When I'm struggling with this, I, I make myself go read the book of Philippians because I know that Paul was this kind of person who went through a lot of hardship and yet he writes a book like Philippians while he's in prison. And what is the book about? Joy. It's about joy. So is it possible? Is it possible for us to have this? What would it look like in our lives and in our family's lives if that joy was something that was so evident in our life? What would it look like? How would it impact our relationships? How would it impact maybe my relationship with my spouse if I'm a married person? How would it impact my parenting? One of the things when I'm struggling with joy, and by the way, I struggle with this like everyone else does at certain times. I, in fact, this week while I was, I worked on this message, I got this message ready on joy, and you want to know something? There were a few days where I wasn't feeling joyful. I was battling with some stuff. In fact, a few days ago, my wife, Hope, she said, you Okay. And, and I was like, yeah, why? why? What, what's going on? Yeah, I think I'm fine. I'm just kind of quiet today or whatever. Uh, that was one person. And then the next day, I spent some time with my parents and my dad said, in his kind of way, we were sitting around a fire and he said, something gnawing on you or whatever. And I'm like, that's how he talks, okay? And I said, 
No, not that I'm aware of, but it just, it made me realize something that if someone else is noticing and they're, they're noticing, I, I went home yesterday, by the way, and I, I decided to go back through my message. I was like, man, all you people asking me about something bothering me, I'm preaching on joy this week, y'all are freaking me out, okay? And I went back home and I kind of went through this filter that I'm going to take you through of, of trying to get at the root of 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 what was going on inside of me. Because sometimes, I'm just being honest, sometimes I don't understand why I don't feel that way. You ever, are you ever there? Sometimes I don't, I don't feel that. But we gotta understand it goes beyond a feeling. It goes beyond the way that we're feeling. And so, and so what would it look like if that was in your, how would it look like in your relationships? I notice that whenever I'm battling with this, I have a tendency to be a little more cynical. I have a tendency to be a little more critical. I have a tendency to be a bit of a complainer. Can anybody relate? And I complain more. So how would it impact your speech? How would it impact our families? How would it impact us at Christmas whenever we're all packed with all of our families? Sometimes it can be challenging and difficult and we're all in a room together and you know, and how would that impact that? Here's what I'm trying to get at. Joy in the life of a believer, you need to know this, is a game changer. Whenever we truly get this and whenever we receive this gift that God offers us, um, how many of you have ever, how many of you ever had that kind of joy? Would you be honest? Would you raise your hands? You said, I've experienced that before. Would you raise your hands up? You say, I've had that. Don't, don't be ashamed. I've had that kind of joy, right? Really? Just a few? Okay. How many of you would say, I've had that kind of joy but I've lost it before too. Would you raise your hands? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I can relate to that. I really can relate to that so much. There are a few kinds of people who are here this morning. There, maybe there's a person who's here and maybe you didn't even want to come to church today. You didn't feel like it or whatever. Maybe, maybe there's been a time where you've never come into a personal relationship with Christ. And so maybe you come to church, you're just appeasing family. First of all, I want to say, I'm really glad you came. Right? We're thankful that you came, and thanks for coming. And, and, and maybe your idea of, of kind of Christmas, you think a lot about, well, it's just kind of religion, it's religious, and it's kind of dry, and doesn't really have anything to do with me. And maybe there's never been a time where you've come to a place where you've, you've experienced a personal relationship with Christ. What I've been praying for you all week is that you would know how much you are loved by Jesus that you are loved and that he came for you and for me and that he doesn't want to give you religion. Do you know what he wants to offer you? A personal relationship with him. Man, I've been praying that for you this week. But there may be another person who's here and you've already experienced that personal relationship with Christ. And maybe you are the one that joy is flowing out of your life right now and, and we praise God for you. There could be a third kind of person who's here today. And maybe for you, you're the person that you know Christ is your savior, but you've just been going through some difficulties, some challenges, and, and maybe, maybe that joy that I'm talking about has kind of escaped you. And you're battling with that right now and you're wondering what in the world's going on. I don't feel joyful. I'm, I'm struggling with this. We've, we, you know, but my prayer, what I've been praying for you and for myself, because again, I'm right here with you at certain times, is that God would do something powerful in us today and restore that joy of our salvation. Right? I said this in every service and I want to say it to you. What would it be like if we really experience, if every person here that knows the Lord, 
And we walked out. We didn't just come to church today. We walked out of here. And God did something really special in your heart today. And you receive that gift of joy and peace that he offers you. And we walk out of here so different, right? That doesn't our negative, cynical, messed up, broken world need to see more Christians like that? Would you agree? It really needs that. What would happen if that, if that was something that, that went on in our lives, right? Well, we want to explore for a moment this Christmas story. I want to take you to a passage in Luke and a passage in Matthew today, uh, and we want to explore some reasons why we can struggle with joy in our lives, because it's something that's very common, that we as believers can battle with this. There are some obstacles to joy that, and, and again, I, as I was battling with this this week, I went back home and I kind of took myself through my own message, I would even say they're kind of like filters. They kind of help you get to the root of why you may be struggling with joy right now. And I want to take you through this. And listen, what we're going to find is as we look in this scripture, you're going to find that it's going to come down to some choices that you're going to have to make in the next few minutes. That you're going to have to choose a certain way or you can continue to, to go along and rock on the way that things have been going for you. But many of us know that that's, that's maybe not the right, the right thing for you at this point. As we all know, we live in this negative world, and you've got to actually resolve to fight for your joy. But what are you saying, Bart, when you say that? Are you saying, I've got to strive for this? Are you saying, I've got to force this? I've got to force a smile? Of course not. Here is what I mean when I say you got to fight for your joy. This is what this looks like. If you're taking some notes, write this down. How do I fight for it? Well, we fight for joy by resting in the hope that King Jesus reigns. Isn't it nice when someone tells you it's okay to rest? You know what I've been hoping for all of us today is that you would come in here today no matter what all's going on in your world all around you, is that at least for a moment of time, you would rest in the Lord. Some of us really need that. Because some of us have been striving a lot. Maybe you're striving and you're trying to make it happen and you feel stressed. I've, I've gone and I've heard messages about joy where someone's preached on that and like, you should have joy. And I left feeling worse <laughs> than I did whenever I got there because I felt like, I don't know that I can do that. What's wrong with me? I didn't want that for you. I didn't want this to be a message that would beat you up in any kind of way. We're kind of lopsided today, aren't we? I kind of feel like we're missing some people today. Maybe we'll see them tomorrow for Christmas Eve. But, you, but here's what I wanted. I wanted this to be more of something that you realize that it's something God produces in you. Do you know that? That joy is something God produces through the Holy Spirit. Think of it, he calls it a, a part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. A tree doesn't sit there and go, I'm going to strive and I'm going to make some fruit. That's not how it happens. What does a tree do? A tree absorbs the nutrients that it needs. It absorbs water and hydration that is necessary, and it absorbs sunlight, light to be able to, to, to come into that, and it, as a result, fruit is produced. What we as believers need is we need that bread of life, the nutrition from God's word. 
We need the living water to hydrate our lives, and we need the light, who is Jesus, to come into our lives, right, and produce us. It's something that he produces. It's something that's received from God. So I want to give you some biblical principles that that you can pull out of this story of Christ's birth, okay? And here's some obstacles. and, and, And these obstacles that I'm using are obstacles that I've noticed in my own life. There's a lot of obstacles to it, but I want to focus in on a few because these are, to me, these are the top ones in my own life that I notice and what I notice in this, own, uh, this story of Mary and Joseph. If you're taking some notes, the greatest obstacles to joy in our lives, number one, you're going to find that it's going to be anxiety and confusion. When we are feeling stressed out, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling like Things are out of control. Do I have any control freaks? Raise your hands, right? Come on, I know there's more than that. And I'm trying to control you right now, right? And so this control, things feel out of control. When things are, when we're afraid of a pending outcome and we don't know how something's going to work out, our stress level starts going up, our anxiety level is higher. And I've discovered in my own life this, whenever that begins to happen and and fear is dominating my mind and my attitude and my mindset, You know what I've discovered? It's hard to be joyful in that time. I would even suggest this to you. You cannot be joyful, this kind of joy that I'm talking about, and fearful at the same time. That you won't experience that joy in, you won't experience this. When I let fear dominate my thoughts, joy goes out the back door. Now, I'm not saying that you won't ever be afraid. It's a natural thing for us as humans to have scary things when they happen, to feel that fear. But here is the question, what do we do with that? Do we let it dominate us? Is that the, do we walk in fear? Do we live a life in fear, right? It, when these fearful circumstances emerge, what do we do with these things that are happening around us? How do I respond? Now, when I think of the nativity scene, all right, and, and I see it all over the place right now as we should, we have it in our home, it looks so peaceful, doesn't it? It looks serene when I look at this. It looks like, man, everything was just so peaceful on this night. But you know what we often forget? We forget that Joseph and Mary were real people. They were real people who had real problems. They were ordinary people with real emotions. And we need to dig in on this a little and kind of put ourselves in their shoes and understand that they were dealing with some things that really were pretty stressful. Some things that were, were really a big deal, the things that would cause certainly some anxiety when you really begin to think of what they were going through. I think specifically, and I know both Mary and Joseph did, but I think so much about Mary in this scenario. What do we know about Mary? What do we know about her? We know that she was probably very young. She was, she was probably a young teenager, if not a mid-teen. Uh, this, was, this was oftentimes when, when girls would get married. And, and so it's not like, why am I bringing that up? It's not like she was an older woman who had been through a lot of life experience to be able to kind of look at everything and go, oh, everything's going to work out. She was a, she was a teenager, most likely. And she was engaged, or what is called betrothed, to Joseph, this was her fiance, and, 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 and here's what you need to know about that betrothal, is that was a big deal. It's bigger than our engagement period today. It would last for about a year, 
uh, and they made a commitment to one another that was as if they were already married, but there was no sexual relationship and they were not living together, but it was as if they were already married, it was a legal binding contract, a covenant that they entered into, I should say. And in that time, though, Mary had, had kept herself sexually pure. Virginity was an incredibly important thing in this culture leading up to marriage as it should be for us today. But although she is a virgin, she's going to have a child that is conceived in her womb supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to think about the, the ramifications of that and the implications of what she was experiencing, she was not married yet. And think about this. Now she's going to have to explain this to her parents. She's going to have to go to Joseph. Say, Joseph, I'm pregnant. She's going to have to explain this to her friends in the community. It was a smaller community. I want you to think about it. We would say it this way. Mary's got some splaining to do, right? This scenario was not an ideal circumstance. This isn't what she, how she thought this was going to go down. She didn't exactly plan for this. Can you imagine the stress that she was under? I want you, hey, let's be real. People are real, right? Can you imagine the judgment she felt? Do you think that was stressful for her? Can you imagine how people were probably look, looking down upon her and some in the community and are like, yeah, right, it's God, yeah, right. Think about that. Can you imagine the, just, just the, the gossip that was going on probably? Did you hear Mary and Joseph? Did you hear what's going on here? Yeah, I'm sure that it's God, Mary, right. And then a few days ago, think about this, ladies. She's pregnant, nine months pregnant. And, and Joseph says, hey, we have to go to Bethlehem. It's a two to three day ride on a donkey. Now, I don't think riding on a donkey for two to three days would be fun in any kind of way. Can you imagine ladies being nine months pregnant? The stress of this, Joseph won't ask for directions the whole time they're going probably. She's probably like, can we please? I made that part up, but anyhow. But, but think about this. I thought about how many of y'all saw uh, Pastor Danny's wife, Casey, last week. She looked miserable, okay? And I thought about her riding a donkey for three days. I thought about my wife, Hope, when she was pregnant with our son, Luke, and we were at youth camp. I was a youth pastor. Luke was born August 1st. She was at youth camp with me, uh, and she was really big at that time, and it was hot in July in Texas. She was a miserable woman. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? This wasn't an ideal circumstance for Mary. And then they get to the place where they're going, Nobody has any room for them. The place is packed out. It's chaos. There's no room. Motel 6 didn't even leave the light on for him, okay? He can't find a place for them to stay. So now he finally makes arrangements and there's somebody that's going to let them stay where barnyard animals are living to have a baby. Does that sound like an ideal circumstance? No, this isn't probably how she planned this. And then I started thinking, she's a, she's a teenager most likely. She didn't, she, was, she didn't have her mother there with her. She didn't have older ladies to kind of coach her through this. She'd never been through this, ladies. 
She didn't know what all was going to be going down here. She didn't, Joseph, I imagine, was like freaking out. Are you kidding me? We're having this baby here with, with, in the barnyard with animals where barnyard animals do what barnyard animals do. Dude, do you get that okay? All right. Pastor Randy yesterday was, was power washing what barnyard animals did on our front porch last week because we had them here. So it wasn't sanitary. She didn't have a doctor with her. She didn't have a midwife. Are you, are you feeling this? She was, they were alone. You think that was stressful? Man, this was a stressful situation they were dealing with, right? Do you realize that every time the angel of the Lord would come and speak to them, do you know how he would start off? Be not afraid. Why would he say that? Because what I'm about to tell you is gonna turn your world upside down. It's, it's gonna be out of your control. It's not probably how you envision your, your marriage early on and what, what is gonna happen. It's probably not what you thought was going to happen. He would say, fear not, be not afraid. Why? Because this can totally rob you of your joy. Anxiety can. Confusion. Look at Mary really quickly here. Luke 1 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings. Now, in the original language, do you know what this is? Rejoice. It's rejoice. Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But look at what it says next. Everyone say it with me. There we go. Confused and that means she's troubled. It's, it's uh, what? You're, you're telling me what? Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Do you think it might be a little bit of an overwhelming thing to be told that you're going to be raising the Son of God too? I hope I don't mess this up as a parent. Any parents ever made mistakes? Yeah. You just need to know that Mary was an ordinary person. Mary asked the angel, look at this, but how can this happen? How? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I thought, what does that mean? Well, here's this word where it's talking about overshadow. It's the same description that would happen when the presence of a holy, awesome, mighty God would show up on the scene and everybody would be so overwhelmed they would fall on their faces before him because he's an awesome God. It's the same word whenever he would, when he would arrive at the tabernacle and it was an awesome sight. Whenever James and Peter and John went up with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is the word that's used. It would overshadow them. Do you remember what they did? They fell on their faces before God. And now this is being told. That this could be a little intimidating, do you think? 
to think about what is going on. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the son of God. What is more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. That's all things are possible with God. Can you imagine being in Mary's place is what I'm trying to get you at. Can you imagine the stress? Can you imagine the anxiety that could easily creep in and the fearfulness that could, that could overwhelm a person? How confused she must have been. I've never been with a man. And now I'm going to have to deal with this and explaining this to people around me. Nobody's probably going to believe me in any kind of way. Certainly your joy and your peace would easily escape in a moment like that because you're about to be greatly misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood where people look at you and they kind of just misunderstand and they, don't, they judge you or they look, well, this is kind of what was going on. And here's what I want to do. I want to personalize this for you right now. Here's your question, okay? What has you most anxious and fearful at this moment? Remember how I said I was kind of struggling? I went back through this. I asked myself these questions. Is there something that I'm anxious about? Is there something that's out of control that's bugging me right now? That I'm trying to control it, things aren't working out my way? I discovered in the midst of that, that was a root cause of kind of my lack of joy the last few days. What has you bothered right now? What are you losing sleep over right now? What, what is kind of ha- has you tied up in knots? And every time you think about it, you just get afraid. You don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what's going to happen there. And you're really afraid. And, and remember, fear is kind of a natural thing we experience. But what are you doing with this? I don't know what it is for you. It could be something that's dealing with your finances, and that can really be a scary thing at certain times. Maybe something going on with your job. I don't know. There's a lot of people in this church with all kinds of problems. Maybe it's your health, something that you're not sure how something in your health is going to work out. And every time you think about this, you worry about it. And when we worry, it even makes it worse, doesn't it? What is it for you? It could be something with our kids. You ever dealt with that or something that's happening with your kids? You wish that it was happening to you instead of them, and so you worry about them, right? Maybe it's your marriage, or maybe if you're a single person and you hope to be married, you're wondering, will I ever get married? And you don't know how things are. Maybe it's the stock market right now. Have y'all been watching that lately? It's kind of crazy. If you watch that, it's pretty volatile. Will I have enough to retire? You know, it, it's easy to get a little bit rocked by things like that and to be fearful. What are you worried about? What are you, here's what I discovered about myself, gripping onto so tightly that you're trying to manhandle it and make it happen yourself. And it's not working out the way you plan. And you know what happens when we do this? When we are trying to control things that are out of our control, joy goes away. It's one of the things that causes us to lose this, right? Anybody here try to control when things are not going your way? I I have a problem with that. God shows me this, right? I want to show you how Mary responded just really quickly. Mary's dealing with all of this stuff, right? This This is such a stressful thing she's dealing with, but look at what she says. Mary responded, I am the Lord's, everyone say it with me, what? Servant. What is she saying here? 
May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary, in the middle of all of the chaos, chose to trust God. She chose to trust him, to believe that he had a plan for her, that he's in control. She said, I'm your servant. She's she's taking these clutched, white-knuckled hands and here's what, here's what I literally have to do, because I find myself clutching my hands. I'm trying to control. Here's what you have to do. Symbolic. I, I agree that it's symbolic, but it means something. I got to open my hands. And I got to say, God, I surrender this to you. I, I'm your servant. I, I believe there's something bigger going on that I, I don't even understand right now. I'm kind of confused about everything that's going on, but I trust that you are the one that's in control of my life. Remember what Kay Warren said? It's, a, it's, a, it's an assurance that you rest in. You rest in this. Here's your word, right? Your word is this. It's surrender. It's, it's coming to this place before God. And here is what you can do. Remember I said you have choices to make? Here's your choice. You can either worry about whatever it is, fill in the blank for you, or today you can worship but you cannot do them at the same time. You can come and say, God, I don't know how all this is gonna work out, but I am going to choose to trust you today. And even if it goes south, God, I'm gonna choose to say you're still good, that you are ultimately in control of all of my life, every detail of my life. Look at what happened. Look at the, the joy that's produced in Mary when she surrenders. Verse 46, Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit, say it with me, what? Rejoices. Do you see that? God produced this in her, in her spirit. It rejoices in God, my Savior. She chose to worship, to surrender. And, and what is it that you're worried about today that God would say, I really want you, I really want you to bring this to me. It's an act of worship when you trust me. Will you do that today? And if you don't, then you need to know that joy is going to be something that's elusive in your life. When you walk in, in fear and you walk in worry and anxiety, joy goes out the door, okay? Here's another thing, just really quickly, let me give you another obstacle that I've recognized in my own life. Here is what it is, anger and resentment. When, whenever there's a hurt in my heart, someone has hurt me and I'm angry about it or I resent somebody who has done something in my past and I'm carrying that along with me, when you're carrying that hurt, and you're, and you're fostering that and nurturing that hurt and you don't deal with it in a proper kind of way, you need to know that joy will be, it will be hard to grasp onto. It'll be something that, that you will be disappointed that you won't see in your life. Where does this resentment come from? Well, it, it comes from, obviously, oftentimes when someone else has hurt you. When someone has said something, someone's done something, someone has rejected you, someone's betrayed you, maybe you're disappointed uh, and you're dealing with some wounds that haven't been healed, it's probably, as a pastor, do you know, it's the top thing that people come and talk to me about. It's typically the top thing. They come and they say, someone has hurt me, whether it's someone in the church or someone in their family, whatever but it's the, it's the number one thing that people say, I need some help with. I don't know how to get through this. I've been wounded. Every person in this room 
and in all the services today, you need to know, has been wounded in one way or another. Reality is, because we're all broken, we've probably done some wounding ourselves. Amen? We're all just broken people. We're all messed up. We all have problems. And I don't know what it is or how you've been wounded. Maybe it's somebody said something hurtful to you or about you. Maybe, uh, maybe there was some form of abuse and that happens all the time. We know that that is the case. Maybe it was a betrayal and you trusted somebody and they let you down. Maybe you felt the pain and the sting of rejection and, and you've been trying to you know, get them to accept you and they won't accept you. And maybe it's a disappointment with how things have turned out in your life because you didn't think it was going to look like this, and it does, and maybe you're a little angry and a little bitter about the way things have gone in your life. You know, I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I know. If, if you write this down, this is so true. Resentment over a hurt will absolutely kill the joy in your life. That if you continue to walk in resentment and, and you walk in bitterness and you walk in anger, and I have to take myself through this filter. I've been hurt just like anyone else has been, and I have to go through this, and I have to say, am I hanging on to some resentment right now? Am I, am I really angry with somebody? I'm not dealt with that in a healthy kind of way. Bitterness eats people up. It's cancer of our soul. Resentment ruins people's lives. And here I would even take you a step further, not just the life of the person who is resentful. Do you realize resentment ruins the lives of the people who are around you as well? Because oftentimes rather than joy splashing out of your life, do you know what splashes out of your life? A lot of anger and bitterness. And many times it's people who didn't do anything to you and they end up getting it the worst of everyone else. Are you with me on this, right? I've seen this happen before where, where there was a person that we loved who got hurt very deeply and they took that bitterness to their grave and they never dealt with it. And you know what was that we noticed? A lot of times they were very difficult to be around. And they were the ones who had been hurt. But they were hard to be around because, because they never let go of that hurt or that wound. They never let go of that. Very quickly, how does this fit with Joseph? Just really quickly, okay? Think about Joseph. Think about when Mary came to Joseph and said, I have some news to share with you. I'm pregnant. What? I saved myself for you. You promised yourself to me. What are you talking about? Think of, think of how, as a man, he must have felt and just betrayed and, oh yeah, right, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit, right? And think of how that anger must have just, the wound and the disappointment and this must have emerged and this woman that he's loved is now going to have a baby and it's not his. Joseph had major disappointment. Life was not turning out how he thought it was going to, right? Have you noticed that God sometimes messes up our plans? You ever felt that? Well, this is what was going on. He can't believe it. Would you? 
Just really quickly, Matthew 1, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was betrothed, engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I I thought about this. I wonder why the Lord did not send the angel of the Lord to speak to both Mary and Joseph at the same time. Wouldn't that have saved a lot of hurt feelings? Why do you think the Lord did it this way? I'm speculating here, but do you think maybe God was testing Joseph and shaping his character and saying, I want you to trust me too? There are going to be some things that you don't understand, but will you trust me, Joseph? He comes to the Lord, right? The angel of the Lord comes to him, right? Think of how Joseph must have felt misunderstood. Think of how Joseph was lumped into the gossip. Oh, I wonder if it was Joseph. No, he's saying it's not. Can you believe this? Misunderstood a lot of hurt, a lot of pain in his life. He's hurt and he's doing the best that he knows how to. So he says, graciously, I'm going to put her aside graciously. He didn't, this, this would have been, in this culture, would have been massive scandal, public scandal. And he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to harbor this towards her. I'm not going to get revenge. I'm not going to say, I'm going to go sleep with somebody to get back at you. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, just like was told to him, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins and we have a savior. Joseph, even in his pain, decided to trust God. I'm gonna trust you, God. Even as you disrupt the plans that I had made, I'm gonna trust you that you're in control, that you're, what you're doing is bigger than what I'm planning for my life. So he was obedient. Look at this. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus, the one who saves us. So here's the question I want to ask you in closing. What resentment or disappointment do you need to let go of today? Is there something you've been hanging on to again? Maybe it's not an anxiety. Maybe it's, it's somebody's wounded you. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying they did not wound you. I'm not saying what you experienced was not legitimate hurt and pain. It was. But have you noticed that we will so often hold on to these resentments in our life and these grudges in our life, and in the process of doing that, we never hurt the other person who's wounded us. What do we do? We hurt ourselves. And the very best Christmas gift you probably could give yourself is to actually, here's your word, forgive someone who's hurt you. You say, they don't deserve it. I agree, they probably don't. But do you realize the whole Christmas story is about us receiving a gift of forgiveness from Jesus himself that we did not deserve? 
Forgiveness, I've taught on it before. I don't have time to go into it in depth today, but remember, I've taught about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not everything going back exactly the way that it is. Forgiveness is, is not saying what they did is okay. All right, that's, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is simply this, okay? I say simply, it's easier said than done, right? It's you're carrying a resentment and a hurt and a lot of baggage, a lot of weight. It's weighing you down and you are taking that off of your hook and you're putting that onto God's hook. And you're saying, I'm opening my hands and I'm releasing a debt that they can't repay me. God, I'm trusting you to set the record straight that you are good and you are just. And now your hands are free and the weight has been lifted off of you. What are you carrying? Are you carrying a resentment? If your joy has been gone, a lot of times it's either fear and anxiety or confusion or a lot of times it's an anger, it's a hurt that you won't deal with. So I wanna just invite you to prayer with me as we close our time together. Again, I'm so glad you came today. If you go back to Kay Warren's statement, what did she say? Listen to this, okay? She said, it's joy is a settled assurance, a settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. That's what it is, a settled assurance. It's a quiet confidence that ultimately everything will work out. It'll be all right. And it's a determined choice. Joy is something that we can choose. We can't produce it, but we can choose to release these other things to God. What are you fearful about today? Maybe you just need to open your hands and say, God, I'm giving this to you today. God, I want your joy. Is there somebody that has hurt you that you're just carrying this resentment? It's impacting you. It's impacting your relationships. God wants you free. Would you say, Lord, I'm struggling with this forgiveness, but... Lord, will you help me with this? Help me to forgive. Lord, I I, want to be free today. Lord, would you restore unto me the joy of your salvation that you've given me through Jesus? Restore my joy, Lord. I want to walk out of here different. Listen, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, He loves you. He came for you. That's what Christmas is about. You can't earn his love. You can't earn your way to heaven. The way we get to heaven is through faith in Christ alone. You may just say, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah. I may not understand everything, but I believe you died for me. I believe that you paid for my sin. I received this gift of eternal life in faith. I place my faith in you. I believe you've been raised from the dead. And Lord, I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the gift of joy. I pray that these people would experience that in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me? Let's sing this final song.